Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Tom Guinan, and I want to welcome you to the January 10th episode of the Bull Bear Banter. Today, I'm joined by Cheyenne Dunham, who will be giving us a recap of the markets. Cheyenne? March corn closed up two and a half cents today at 385 and three quarters, and that was down three quarters a cent for the week. December corn closed up two and three quarters cent at 402 and three quarters, and that was up two cents from last Friday's close. Looking at soybeans, March closed up two and a half at 946, and that was up four and a half cents for the week. November soybeans closed at 974 and three quarters, which was up over three cents for the day and up over three cents from last Friday's close. Well, Cheyenne, I think uh, without question, the big story this week is the much-anticipated USDA report. feels like we've been waiting for this report for about six months, so let's just go to the data. For corn, we've got a lot of stuff to dig through here. Most people expected a decrease in corn production, but what we actually saw is an increase in yield from 167 bushels an acre to 168, with a very slight decrease in acres harvested, down from 81.8 million to 81.5 million. So the actual production number is slightly higher than the previous info. Another big change is on the demand side. With exports reduced 75 million bushels, kind of like we said we thought they might, but they increased feed by 250 million. So just based on that, I would think that ending stocks numbers should be quite a bit lower, but in fact, it dropped less than 20 million. So what gives? All right, looking into it a little further, they increased the beginning stocks number by more than 100 million bushels. And they did this by increasing harvested acres and leaving yield unchanged from last year. They also decreased last year's U.S. usage by trimming feed and residual by about 200 million bushels. Now that's kind of their catch-all category where they make some adjustments in there and you never really know what they're doing. Net-net, ending stocks are pretty similar to the last report. Worldwide ending stocks are down about 3 million metric tons, which is not a big change, less than 1%. On soybeans, not really a whole lot of changes here. With production slightly increased, they actually added a half a bushel to yield, but they took harvested acres down 600,000 acres. They also tweaked imports and beginning stocks to kind of offset those changes in production. Usage was completely unchanged. So again, net-net, no change to the 475 million ending stocks for the U.S. World ending stocks increased slightly, up about two-tenths of a percent. Beyond that, there are some other news items to discuss in the bull bear factors. Well, Tom, on the bull side for corn, here are the things that I'm considering bullish. Ethanol production continues to run above that magic number of 310 million gallons per week needed to hit the USDA projections. Even though last week's production slipped to 312 million, that was down down from the week before, 313, it's still more than 6% above last year's level for the same week of production. And keep an eye on wheat. Just looking at the Chicago July wheat chart shows a pretty decent increase in prices since mid-November, up more than 45 cents in less than two months. Part of this is the ongoing issues in Australia, as well as other parts of the world struggling with wheat production. This will continue to support corn values. Well, on the bear side, it looks like I've got a pretty long list here, but uh, let's go through them. China has announced that they will not implement a nationwide gasoline blend with 10% ethanol this year, as they had previously announced. In late 2017, they announced that all gasoline used in the country would begin to have a 10% blend at some point during 2020. The hopes of the U.S. ag industry was that they would either start to import more ethanol or import more corn. In fact, there's quite a bit of speculation that this would be part of that phase one deal 
that was supposed to be signed last week. On the U.S. ethanol front, while I agree with you that weekly production is encouraging and supporting corn values, the bigger picture is also worth looking at. U.S. ethanol stocks increased by 60 million gallons to 943 million. This is the largest one-week increase since the EIA began reporting weekly ethanol data in June of 2010. This is the highest level for stocks since late September. Export inspections hit a three-week high of 21.7 million bushels. However, at a cumulative total of 339 million bushels, were more than 50% of last year's 727 million that was at this time last year. The next big USDA report is the March 31st prospective planting report. Speculation continues to favor 94 million acres or more, and with trend line yields, we could be talking about a carryout close to 3 billion bushels for that crop year. Compare that to the current estimate of 1.892 billion bushels, and $4 futures for December start to look kind of hard to attain for too much longer. We're still above that number ending this week. On soybeans for my bull factors, Exports, while at a 12-week low, were at the top end of expectations at 35.4 million bushels. That gives the U.S. a cumulative total of 799 million, and that's more than 25% higher than this time last year. While the USDA left exports unchanged today, it feels like that number might increase just a bit before the end of the year. U.S. crush remains strong when compared to the last couple of years at just over 2.1 billion. That's almost 60% of the entire U.S. production. The last two years, that number was close to 47% of production. Now, the big change is that production dropped quite a bit last fall, but it's good that we have that much U.S. demand for our beans. And palm oil prices continue to be strong. This is also helping those U.S. crushers running at high levels. Finally, it looks like there is a date set for the signing of the Phase 1 agreement, now set for next Wednesday, and we'll see what happens and, if so, what those details are going to contain. Well, on the bear side, Brazil's CONAB agency increased their soybean production estimates slightly earlier this week to 122 million metric tons. This is the 13th consecutive year of increased soybean plantings in Brazil. If they do indeed produce 122 million metric tons, that would be their largest crop ever by about 3 million metric tons. South American beans are relatively cheaper than U.S. origin beans, and we continue to expect U.S. shipments to dwindle through the summer and then swing back to the U.S. when our harvest starts. I am just a little bit concerned about those ending stocks numbers staying unchanged at 475 million. Now granted, that's not the 900 plus number we ended last year with, and like you said, U.S. demand is better than ever. I just think that everyone was expecting a decrease in ending stocks, so not seeing that today may eventually weigh on bean values. Well, what to watch for in upcoming events. We've been talking about our averaging contract for 2020. Hopefully you were able to listen to last week's podcast that featured a testimonial from a farmer that has used this contract for more than 10 years. If not, we'd encourage you to go back and check that out. The deadline for sign-up is in February, so you have plenty of time to learn more about this contract. Monday, January 20th, is Martin Luther King Jr. holiday in the U.S., so the CME and the CBOT will be closed. Our Women in Ag event, called Ventures, will be held on February 15th in Ankeny. We will have the host of Market to Market, Delaney Howell, as our keynote speaker. We'll also be joined by Katie Hall, Director of Governmental Affairs for the Iowa Institute for Cooperatives. As a former grain merchandiser, Katie has a unique perspective. Stay tuned for more details about this annual event or check our events site on our website. Well, Tom, why does it all matter? Free price later is being rolled out in many of our locations, but you must check with the location first, as this will be dictated by many things, primarily available space. So proceed with caution. Tom likes to call this free price lower, and he has a point. This is not 
considered a marketing alternative. We would much rather see you set a target price and let us try to work with you to get your desired price before you haul your grain in. However, if you're trying to just move a couple of loads out of a bin to improve your ability to keep it in condition, then sure, it might make a little more sense to use free price later. But invariably, we see a lot of unhappy farmers at the end of the year as the price moves lower and they missed opportunities to sell earlier. So I think the big thing about free price later, Tom, is it works against the idea of building these bins and storing that corn on farm. You store the corn on farm to capture the carry further out. Free price later has to be sold against the cash price whenever you decide to sell it. So you can't look out to that July price and lock that in if you bring it in today and put on free price later. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of my, my things. I just really don't like free price later. We're kind of forced to do it because so many other people do it. I understand that. But again, like you said, I think you're just better off if you try to capture that carry, look for that price you're trying to sell, and then haul it in once you've got it priced. So looking at our futures side, December corn futures remained above $4 this week. We're going to continue to mention this as we believe it's a good place to start selling some of your new crop corn. I realize the harvest of 2020 seems to be a long ways from now, but I would not expect us to be above $4 on December futures when we are using that month for our cash bids. And same with November soybean futures. They closed above $9.70 today. If and when they start getting close to that $9.90 or $10 mark, I would expect we're going to see some selling pressure. Get your orders and offers in early. Not too many people have had beans sold for harvest last year, and we'd like to see some of you taking advantage of these prices. Well, in conclusion, we'd just like to thank you for joining us for the Bull Bear Banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to at Landis Co-op or drop an email to podcast at LandisCooperative.com. Our tagline, bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. Thanks for listening, and we'll both be back next week. <music>